Break it down now. Welcome back. I'm Ed. I'm Jacob. Hello. So, it is a dreary day here. Yeah. If you're in in our neck of the woods in the Midwest, it's just rainy and cold. Yesterday was like 75 degrees. I was literally hanging out on the roof. Because I finally thought it'd be a good idea to take down the Christmas tree or Christmas lights. I was going to ask you why you took your Easter lights down before <laughs> Easter. <laughs> right, they were getting close. We unplugged them well, well <laughs> back in I think January. Well, I say we. My my wife unplugged them. I'm one of those people that I leave them up. I don't care, but other people notice, and then I take them down. But today is 37 degrees and rainy, so a perfect Nebraska spring day. Yeah. Yes, it is. We are going to dive into this week's sermon which was about god's love which may no, sound god's heart god's heart i am sorry i wrote god's love yes yeah. god's heart which may sound a little bit like where are they going to go with this because when you think about love like hopefully one of the first things that pops up in your head is god um and one of the things we had talked about is the fact that if you were attempting to describe something that's kind of indescribable a great place to start with that is that god is love yes it is one of the easier words to use for who God is or what God is, although a fairly difficult concept to get, actually. Try to describe love without using the word love or loving or affection. It and is. I believe to... the anecdote you had provided is that we say, I love tacos and I love my spouse. Hopefully they are not the same amount of love, otherwise right. you might be in the doghouse. Yep, very much so. But that kind of idea, um, one of the things you had mentioned is... In this process of talking to God, we can be prone to putting our own desires, maybe, on things that we think are, like in moments where we say the Spirit is talking to us, if we're doing some discernment. Sure. It's easy to pull the wrong meaning out of that or to project yourself into this idea, well, God told me I should. Yeah. I mean, thinking about that, that, that a lot of people claim what they, they do something out of love. And then you look at it and it's really for themselves. They're just, you know, trying to get something from someone else and it happens to be a nice thing, but it's really for themselves. Mm -hmm. And all of us do that at some point, um, that kind of selfishness. And it's kind of, to me, that's like your, your measurement or it should be your measurement that if what you're doing will gain you great things, it's probably something you should examine on whether or not this is this is out of love or this is out of self-benefit. And if, if you're one of those people about to tell me that well, you love yourself and that counts, that's also called selfishness. I'm not saying don't care for yourself, but it's not the same thing, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it reminds, you've seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the movie, but there's one part of that that always stuck with me. During one of the mini car chases, the little random like cult that's trying to protect the grail, the one guy's in the Jeep with him, and the last thing he says before he jumps out of the Jeep and disappears, he goes, ask yourself, Dr. Jones, are you seeking the grail for the glory of God or the glory of you? And then he disappears and leaves that question hanging in the air right. for Indiana Jones to wrestle with. And so... As kind of cliched as that is, it makes a great point. Is what, right. Are we doing stuff to glorify God, or are we doing stuff to glorify us? Yeah, yeah. and then when, we, when it comes to our interpersonal relationships, is this something that is because I care for the other, 
or is this hoping to get something for myself? Mm -hmm. You know, if you do something nice for your spouse to try and get some more intimacy time, only that, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's probably not out of love. Right. Which is one of the ways that we can kind of mix up things that are good as things that are right. Mm, Yes. Um, You know, that mentality of like a physical relationship in in the context of a healthy committed relationship is is good but that doesn't mean every time you have a thought that that you that would lead towards those physical intimacy moments that it's a good thing or that it's a it's a positive thing if you only buy flowers for your spouse with the expectation that it leads to yep then that may not be but on the other hand if you see those flowers and and go oh they would like this i care Mm -hmm. you know that's that's a different thing and, and sometimes the difference between is this a loving moment is all about what's in our hearts. Am I loving someone right now or am I hoping to get something for myself? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> you know, by loving someone else, there is positives that come from that. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think that's a great point to make is that we can honor God and love people and there are benefits we will receive for that. Like, Definitely. Like every time, but it doesn't always work the other way, right? Every time you honor God and love someone, there is something that will come back to you guaranteed. But right. looking out for yourself and being nice to other people does not always return or be beneficial to them. So there's right. kind of one way it always works, one way it doesn't. Yeah, in uh, philosophy, we call that difference between the necessary and the sufficient clause. Mm. So you can say God is love, but you can't say all love is God. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so each of those different things to think about, like, well, oh, hey, because my love of tacos is not God. (laughs) True. Uh, Don't get me wrong. God may have given me that sense of appreciating the flavors in a taco, but it is not God. (laughs) When (laughs) my stomach starts growling, I'm not like, oh, holy one, it's time to appease thee. (laughs) It is. And the first thing you said that, the first thing I thought of is that, and so Moses and the Hebrews wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, and then about the time that they were about to give up hope, tacos came down and they were like what are these these are great right god is great at his glory of raining tacos if we were to rain down it wouldn't be manna now it'd just be tacos Tacos. (laughs) i'm not sure which heresy we just committed but there's got to be one in the list somewhere Uh, but (laughs) yeah i don't think it's heresy at all Right. Um, no one argues against tacos. Entertaining. It's <laughs> yes. not heretical unless you pronounce it as true. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> um, so, on the, yeah, there's a thing there where uh, I can't try and talk about this with, with the youth group sometimes, and you, you just touched on it, is this idea of the difference between being a good person. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you can be good, and maybe your motivation is completely selfish, and kind of this idea of intentionally being good and you kind of set aside this space, like you said, of a little reflection, some thought into your action about is this done for the benefit of another person that's very intentional as opposed right. to like people who don't have any kind of practicing faith can still be good people. Oh, they yeah. can be kind and nice, but then we're kind of in this space of... See, I wouldn't even go there. I wouldn't go to the atheist agnostic or the, mm-hmm. the non-Christian. Partly because a lot of those folks do it for the a completely selfless reason, and they're actually this is they're more similar to that moment where one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, "There's somebody preaching about you, but they're not one of us." And she goes, "If they're not against me, then they're for me." Yeah, I, I've known a, quite a few people who ran nonprofits who were not Christians, and their hearts were in the right place. They were there to help people. But what I've also seen is quite a few people who like, I want to go on a mission trip because I want to feel like I helped someone else rather than I love these other people and let me be a part of helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of times that's a, that's a worthy start. Like, good. Oh, yeah. 
uh, we meet Jesus in those moments. But a lot of times we came for the wrong reasons. And I, I find this interesting over and over that sometimes when we are trying to find ourselves or we're trying to do something for ourselves, God continues to work in those moments or works very strongly even through our own selfishness to help us see the possibilities, to help us in that redemptive moment. But yeah, you can, like, you can, and both of those people would be doing the same work, right? You know, you have people who volunteer for the purpose of putting it on an application or on a, uh, the resume, and you have people who volunteer because they believe in what they're doing. Uh, they both may get the same amount of work done, but in the end, there's something, there's something different on the inside. Oh, that's good. I think it's very helpful to, to frame it in that sense that we're not here trying to tell you that don't question your altruistic intentions as much as kind of help people understand that the benefit to self is greater in those moments of intentional selflessness as opposed to accidental selfishness. Well, one, one has us, I mean, when you're, when you're there to produce the thing to get the good feeling, if you don't get the good feeling, then you feel like it wasn't worthwhile. Mm. Or you might feel like that way. And we, we all can do this. We, I, I've had this happen to, when I was volunteering and other things. The other part is when it's not as pleasant or as happy or as appreciated, then all of a sudden you feel like, well, then maybe we shouldn't have done it. And that's the thing about if you're really truly doing something for someone else and it does make a difference in their life and you didn't feel good enough, you're probably not doing it for the right reason. And, and But we all get there. We all get to that moment where we're like, oh, well, maybe this wasn't the right path then. And in reality, it's like, that's not how it works. You don't just do something and everyone has to respond the way you want. Which goes back to like, what's your heart when, when you're doing something? Are you are you doing this because you love God or because or, or, or each other? You want to be, you, you want to help someone? Or are you doing it to feel good? So when we're in this spot, like you had said, about understanding where our heart is and mm-hmm. what our intentions are in our own thoughts, one of the great ways to connect that and make sure that we're being genuine with where our heart is going is to tie that back into scripture. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the part where like, that's the, it should be the measuring rod. First Corinthians 13, although it gets used a lot to describe love, it's actually a pretty great one for if is what I'm doing loving or not. So if you're sitting there and like, well, I'm over here bragging about how awesome my relationship is. Well, that's boasting and it says love does not boast. Yes. <laughs> it's not boastful. It, you know, it, it covers a lot of different aspects of our lives. If you, if you start looking at first Corinthians 13, the good chunk, like here's what it, what love is and here's what love is not or what love does and what love does not. So it's definitely a great, a great thing to remind ourselves too that if what we think, if we think we're righteous, like the difference between self-righteous and righteous is whether or not it's in line with God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And the only way we can truly kind of address that is if we pay attention to what God says. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, you had mentioned First Corinthians. It's one I think people, at least in my head, you automatically default to. But just in your times and experience and studies, is there another one you can think of off the top of your head that's like a good one for people to look up? Yeah, I mean, the Beatitudes are another great <laughs> section. That's how in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 8. Uh, well, that's not just the Beatitudes, but the whole Sermon on the Mount goes through everything. It doesn't. He doesn't use the word love over and over, but he talks about, you know, in the beginning of the Beatitudes, or the blessed are, or the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes, which are the blessed are statements. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. You, you have each of these that kind of, they actually work against what most culture is. You don't think... Blessed is the person who has that struggles 
poor spirit because theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. You think about the people who are righteous and who do all the right things because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus really pushes back in many ways. And so if what we do falls in line with what Christ teaches, especially in places like that where it's fairly clear, don't be angry, don't hurt your, don't hurt your family, don't, and, and love your enemies. So if what you're doing leads you to do the opposite of those things, you might want to pay attention. Because I had a pastor put it one way, if you argue with God, one of you is wrong, and I'll give you a hint, it's not God. <laughs> right. Yeah. God, in the end, God wins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And so you just mentioned that a lot of the teachings of Jesus kind of go against, and I'll say popular culture, and not necessarily yeah. just in the frame of TV movies, but kind of how outside influences tell us we're supposed to live. Yeah. And then you really drill down into the overall message of Jesus' ministry, and it turns a lot of that stuff upside down and inside out. Mm-hmm. Now you had just mentioned the love your enemies part. There's everybody's familiar that Jesus was asked a question. He said, you know, what is the greatest of these? He said, love, love your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And people tend to stop right there and not read the rest of... The Samaritan story, right? Yeah. The, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Which basically Jesus says, whoever you dislike the most, that is who is your neighbor. You know, and then and then Matthew just comes straight up and says it. Love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Pray for those who persecute you. Which is very but, difficult. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and Matthew even gives this like, and in case you find that hard, when you pray for them and wish blessings upon them, it will be like heaping hot coals upon their head. <laughs> like Matthew's like, okay, I'm going to give them this hard one. But then yeah. make them feel like they got revenge. And like you said, ultimately, and it's that same thing we were just talking about, that even if... You bless someone genuinely and sincerely, out of spite, you are still blessing them so ultimately. Right. And then, as you had mentioned on on Sunday, that you may end up being in this space where those people who you had some assumptions about or your experience with them had not been positive, you can make this bridge to finding out, oh, maybe they weren't as bad as I thought they were, or I caught them on a bad day. Like, we form so many... uh, opinions on our first encounters with people right and so you kind of expect like i'm a good guys and you were a jerk so therefore you are now just permanent you are always a jerk right and it's like no he well i have a i've got a couple of friends who made really cruddy first impressions i mean and and, and i'll take responsibility for some of that i may you know but it could have been in a bad mood or frustrated that that first meeting or whatever was going on when that happened and then later on we became great friends but if i would have just stopped at that first impression yeah. and i can't i know there are people like that who've met me and gone ugh, you know not not because i'm necessarily a bad person or anything but because we all come to that with our you know come to any interaction with other people with you may have been put in situations where that could have happened there could have been misunderstandings or bad first impressions and yet you will persevere in spite of those you have more track history with that than somebody coming out of my context does about this idea of through this part of god and this this love and understanding you will get to a place where you can work and appreciate with these people yeah we well, order... I mean, we, we all come in contact with folks on a bad day part of my job does deal with the hardest parts of life, personal tragedies and emergency rooms and and death, you know, hearing about hard diagnoses and not knowing what's coming up. So there's definitely that. The key in those spaces for me has been that I'm aware that I'm walking into a holy space. So when I think about engaging someone and they're, they're having a really bad day, I'm not walking in as myself. I'm walking in as, as a messenger, someone who's there to listen, to be present, 
not to judge. Um, and so it's just, it's the spirit of love that goes into that. It's not a matter of achievement or success. Instead, it is, I see you. I see what's going on. I don't need to have answers. The biggest thing there is that most of what I do in the space of pain and suffering is acknowledge pain and suffering. And so, you know, when we talk about the difficulties of first impressions, I don't really let those be first impressions when, you know, for the first time I meet someone and they're frustrated about how their treatment's going or something, or, you know, and a lot of times those those interactions are something that I uh, see or, or a part of. To me, that's not a first impression. When I talk about my first impressions, I think about like meeting new friends or meeting people at a, a ball game or, or, or maybe even someone coming to the church for the first time, you know what I mean? Like in, in this setting of we're all pretty well composed when we go to a public place. So yeah, I don't think of those intimate moments of suffering as a, as a first impression. For the most part, I put them within the context of this is what's happening. You know, I mean, like if someone just died, I don't expect you to be pleasant and happy. Found out you have cancer, I don't expect you to be comfy with the idea. A lot of that is just having compassion, which means to suffer with. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. Compassion. Calm with passion. So suffer. To suffer with. And that's what love is. Like to suffer with others rather than to evaluate. You know, to assess. Um, there's not a part within love that you have to decide whether or not the other person is valid in their feelings. <laughs> that's not the same thing. That's great. I think it's a fantastic reminder. If nothing, if... <laughs> Whatever else you take away from this, write that down in those moments. Like you literally said, it's not validation. It's not justification. It's And, and that's in a really important thing that you don't have to agree with someone to validate their feeling. Somehow our society has gotten to the point where just because you don't critique something, you agree with it. And that's not actually how it works. And, and I bring that up because, you know, there are those moments where somebody's going through something or I'm going through something. Uh, you need to vent. But that doesn't mean the person you're venting to agrees with you just because they're staying silent or understanding that you're in pain. And, and we can do that. We, and we should do more of it and say, I hear you. I hear you. I, I see what you're going through, and that's got to be hard. At one, no point do I go, I agree. Let's get them. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and I, I'm more for my own clarification. I always get these two mixed up. That's empathy, not mm-hmm. sympathy, right? Right. You okay. want to be empathy. You want to have empathy or be empathetic. Sympathy is when you feel bad for someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's more of a pity. And pity is not a positive thing. You're not, pity is not compassion. Pity is, oh, it sucks to be them. I'm glad I'm not. It's, there's almost a positive sign with that. Whereas okay. compassion is, if I were them, I would feel that pain. And so I could be with them and maybe bear some of that burden. Not that I can take it from them, but if they share it with me to suffer with. Sympathy, sympathy is not helpful. Okay. Sympathy makes you feel better. Oh, <laughs> or because you're like, haha, at least I'm not like them. Right. And that's in its darkest way. Most of us are just kind of like, I'm really glad that that tragedy didn't happen to me. That's not empathy. Which does make a great point about all of this we've been talking about is if we want to be godlike and God is love then we have to be with other people because you can't love doesn't work in a vacuum you can't be alone in your own room locked away or living in a cave and really experience this because there has to be it has to go somewhere and it has to come back to you there has to be a community well there yeah there is that then this sounds kind of a little difficult scripture i mean jesus says whenever two or more are gathered on there and that's been something i found incredibly true in my life that even if it's just one other person i'm talking to because there's there's always three in a room 
the other mm. one's God. And so thinking about everything needs at least a trinity yeah. <laughs> to be. And that doesn't mean you can't have a good conversation with God. Or you sh- and you should be praying when you're alone and spending time with God in prayer. But there's something different that happens when we add when we add another person. It, it, there's a, there's accountability. There's illumination. There's creativity. There's different perspectives. There's a lot of different things that that come into play there. But yeah, when we when we talk about love, it it is communal. It's to be shared. So you can love God, and God loves you. But when we talk about what that really looks like, it's this sense of we share life together. Yeah, no, that's great. We do. It's true. Uh, there is an, uh, an idea there that when we pray, it's kind of this cliche, but I hold on to it. Thing is true. Like, be careful when you pray because th- there's an answer, right? And because think, you might just get what you asked for. Right, and I yeah. think more often than not, if we if we're doing like a prayer or a, a petition, whatever, asking God for something, like God, we need to do something for the starving people god's answer is yes we do <clears throat> yeah like well most of the time things you're asking god for right yeah. go through our hands right it right. is the the think pray then act and everybody forgets the act part like you know uh yeah i read one of those parables and said that the saint no just this regular person died and went to god and said god why are this why is there so much suffering in the world um, how come you didn't come in and fix this? How come you didn't do that? And then God turns to him and says, I was about to ask you the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, and I think that's one of those things when we talked about, I remember which which one we had mentioned it, we had something to the fact that we won't be judged by our faith. We'll be judged by what we do right. with our faith. And if the first command is to love God and the second command is to love people, like if you don't do either one of those well a lot of the other stuff in the it's big picture yeah. right, but it doesn't like doesn't matter like yeah you know uh, who cares if you have perfect trinitarian theology and you right. can explain how humanity came into being and you know every passage of scripture by heart and you have not love first corinthians 13 you are a clinging gong or a sounding symbol yes and not the kind you want in the band <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so that's heavy stuff to digest throughout the rest of your day if you're anywhere near us enjoy this rainy gray day as we're right. dropping heavy heavy things on you but it's it's good um also we had done i mean we're gonna fold the wednesday service into here a little bit because it was a really good one okay um i don't know if there was a recording of it or not yes Okay, there is one. Okay, so if you go to the website, firstumcwaverly.org, you can find the Sunday scripture or the Sunday message that we're talking about and our Lenten one. But this Wednesday, we had done a contemplative. Contemplative. Contempla- I can never say that word. Yep. Yeah. Contemplative. We'll take that too. Okay, cool. It's it's complete, complete aside. I was rehearsing that part because I had to do the introduction and I said right. it like, Said it to me, said it to other people, had them say it back to me because I can never get that when word out. Contemplative. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Contemplative. Thank you. Um, but the idea behind it was we had created a, a kind of a quiet and maybe solemn space, mm-hmm. not out of like think about that, but just thinking in general. And we'd ask people to come up with a couple of different situations or ideas, things in their own heart that had troubled them or ways that they feel they were not living as close to God as they could and then ask them to write them down on a sheet 
when we finished, they brought the sheets up to the, tore them up and left them before the cross, literally right. putting their burdens down on the communion yeah. altar. And it was a great idea. Um, I saw some pictures afterwards about the imagery that was fantastic because I was, I was one of the ones reading, so I actually had to leave before people came up. So I missed the back end of yeah. like you, the you, big effect. But you, you were the example guy. You yes. Know, you had to tear yours up and place it there so people would go, oh yeah, we really are doing that? Okay. Yep. But no, it was a, just this wonderful idea in a fantastic setting of that open invitation to do all the, we don't just talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, right. you know, we were like, no, really, do this. Yeah, so where did you come up with the idea for that? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> was, fair enough. Like, uh, so I, the Spirit came up with it for you? No, no, okay, so last year, the sermon series around this was around Lazarus's death and resurrection. Okay. Um, and so each of the weeks that I originally created and started to work with was being aware of how, what kind of discipleship or what kind of areas of our life we should focus on in the midst of, with respect to... They're working through the death of Lazarus and the misunderstanding of the disciples and then the later on the resurrection and Jesus's compassion for the people. And so that service was about how we sometimes get things wrong. And, and that was, you know, when Jesus first, Jesus and the disciples, this messenger comes and says, Lazarus is dying. The disciples don't get what's going on. Like it's very clear in John, what's that, John 11, that the disciples are not quite getting what's happening until Jesus has to come out and say it. So this was kind of the idea of like, there are days we don't get things right or we fall short or we misunderstand. And so that the idea was that we would be acknowledging because of the service, we, we wrote down many things from the things that are distractions to sins, to broken spaces in our life, to broken relationships, anything that could come in between us and God. And then we tore them up and we played at the cross. This idea of you know, literally laying our burdens at the same place where we receive the grace of God because the, we, we put them all on the communion table, which was actually an accident. I meant to have a basket <laughs> um, in front of the communion table. And then when you guys put them on the communion table, I was like, that's perfect. There are no accidents. <laughs> Only happy trees. Yes. Thank you, Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah, that's a t-shirt waiting to have. No mistakes, only happy accidents. Right. Yeah. Bob Ross was my spiritual director. Like, ooh, that's good. I want Bob Ross. I'm well, still thinking of that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's just this reality that we don't we don't always do these things anymore. And so during Lent is a great time to begin to like, if we talk about renewal, there's things we need to let go of, and that's you know that's the theme is renewal, even though the the sermon series is the heart of God, um, and so we we want to. Let that be a part of what happens on Wednesdays as well. Great. Yeah, and um, I thought it went well. I had good vibes from it, which is always a little different when you're the one on the mic mm -hmm. versus the one who's in the, I don't want to say the comfort of the crowd, but it is. Right. It's, a, it's a different space. So, but no, I thought it was, a, it was a fantastic idea. So, when we talk about loving others through God, like you had said, heaping blessings on them like hot coals upon their forehead. Right. Do you have any tips and tricks for that to get the right mental space? Because it's one thing, and I this is for my own, literally for my own benefit, because one of the things I'm consciously trying to do is be a better driver right? in terms of how I react to the people around me. Yes. I used to be short with people. Now I say, blessings on you through clenched teeth. How do I get away from... Because that's not a genuine blessing. I'm just right. substituting certain words I'm not supposed to be saying for words I should be saying. Like, But where do we... Get, get like obviously practice, but is there a way to get into that mind space where we're genuinely 
more sim more empathetic to other yeah. people. So you know, you're talking about kind of two different levels of okay. things. That's that kind of initial like, how do I have more patience? And the frustrating thing is be in more situations where you need more patience. Mm-hmm. The other part of that is is all about trying to set up your set yourself up for success. You know, so if if I find myself more irritable after I do this, then maybe I don't do that right before I go for the drive that I know is going to be more irritating by itself. Or some semblance of those things, knowing ourselves a little better. Meditation, prayer. But a lot of times when it comes to something like driving, leaving five or minutes earlier so there's less stress is a great way like, oh, who cares? I got time. (laughs) I mean, if I end up getting stuck behind this semi for the next six miles, realistically, that five mile an hour difference that was so frustrating when you were three minutes late it's not an issue anymore. Um, you know, that's an hour, that's a minute and 45 seconds out of your five extra minutes, you're fine. Which I think it's actually less than that. I think it's like 30 seconds, right? I know it's working out. Anyway, but the, you know, the part where I was talking about, uh, Sunday I talked about how Dietrich Bonhoeffer speaks about how we can love all people through God and that that should be our goal. And that's why it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, that we do... We love our neighbor as ourselves by loving them through God. So we love Jesus and in turn ask Jesus to love them as much as possible and then and ask for that same love. Like, let me have a, a compassionate heart towards other people. But how do you do that with someone who's hurt you or wronged you? I mean, it's a little, it's not quite the same thing when we're talking about, you know, someone who cut you off in traffic because they missed, they were close to missing their exit too. You know, there's, there's some of that where it's like, well, imagine what could have been going on in their lives that that happened. Um, but when we think about like maybe someone that betrayed us or we get fired because of something someone else did. Um, there's, there's moments like that where the next time we see that person, we may not just be frustrated. We might be enraged or angry or hateful or, or spiteful, any of those other kind of negative aspects of anger. And what I've found is that you pray for them. Um, you pray for them and you don't just pray that you're not angry at them anymore. Like that's the go-to <laughs> or that was my go-to. When I first started like praying for people I didn't like or I'd had a problem with, was I would pray that, that I wasn't, I pray that I didn't get angry at them anymore, that I would let go of my own anger. Well, that's not what scripture says. It says you want to pray blessings on them. Pray for those who persecute you. And so what I found was I would say, God, please bless them. Even when I don't want to, please bless them. I may have said it, you start with it through clenched teeth. And what I found is that when you consistently pray for people who hurt you or pray for people who you don't like or can't stand, and like I mentioned on Sunday, that could be someone, a best friend who betrayed you, that could be uh, maybe you don't like uh, a political figure or somebody, but when you pray blessings upon them, something begins to change in you. And, And it's not about them being right or them being good. They don't change how you perceive them changes. And so loving them through God is saying, God, I don't have enough right now, so I need you to bless them. Will you bless them in a way that I can't? Um, I have a few people in, uh, in, in my life that, are, that, I, that I find that as a struggle too. And, and they're, not, they're not folks who go to church here. It's, it's past experiences that have, you know, of, of problem and difficulty. And in that, when, when, when they came up, come up and my blood starts to heat a little bit, I start praying that God blesses them. Um, and somehow wishing them well, not just wishing me to forget about them, changes my heart. Thank you. That's great. But it is that process, you make a great point about 
too many times. God fixes things, so I'm not the bad guy. Instead of kind of finishing that that circle of love, trust, whatever you want to call it, where yeah. you're actually intentionally wishing well for someone you don't want to, and they yeah. are. You said they're two totally different. But that's how you get to that space where you're not angry and you're not carrying that stuff around right. anymore. You can't just say, oh, let me let go of it. Like, no, yeah. that doesn't work. It's amazing sometimes how we have long memories about some things. Oh, yeah. What I found is that what you really get when you invite God to do that is you get peace. Yeah. And so when, so, when, when that is, but if your original prayer is, God, let me forget about what they did or let me stop worrying about or being angry at them, what you really want deep down is peace. You want peace when you when they come up. You want peace when someone mentions them. You want peace when that situation is reminded you. That's what you get when you bless them. You get peace. And this is back to that, back to as we talked about, like love. When you love for a selfish reason, I want them, I want to I want to stop thinking about them. So I'm gonna pray that God makes me stop thinking about that. So for self, that's all about me. But when I pray selflessly, I pray for them to be blessed then in turn, I'm also helped by that peace of God too. And the next time they pop up, I've found that that anger is less. And then I pray again. <laughs> um, God, may they be blessed in ways that I can't bless them, right? which is hard. It is really <laughs> hard to start. The first time that you realize, oh, I'm much more peaceful when you think about them, it changes you. And you're like, oh, that's not, that's kind of cool. Not that the situation happened, <laughs> but, that, but I found peace in it. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, we are going to come to a close on this edition of our pod. Yeah. Um, you can find us on the Anchor website. You can find us on Spotify, um, Pocket Cast. And again, if you ever want to see any of the stuff we're talking about, uh, firstumcwaverly.org. Slash worship. Slash worship. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.